Shabbat Shalom. Uh, this is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 um, through 13. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, <clears throat> let us also get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, focusing on Yeshua, the initiator and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. Have you forgotten the warning addressed to you as sons? My son, do not take lightly the dis discipline of Adonai or lose heart when you are corrected by him because Adonai disciplines the ones he loves and punishes every son he accepts. It is for discipline that you endure. God is treating you as sons for what son does a father not discipline? But if you are without discipline, something all have come to share, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Besides, we are used to having, the, having human fathers as instructors, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Indeed, for a short time, they disciplined us as seemed best to them, but he does so for our benefit so that we may share in his holiness. Now, all discipline seems painful at the moment, not joyful, but later it yields that the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame will not be pulled out of joint, but rather be healed. This has been a, uh, quite a week. And uh, we're here and we're relatively sane because um, we know that God's presence has been with us through thick and thin, and he sustained us. Um, Particularly, it was particularly difficult uh, on Wednesday as we laid uh, Paula Crane to rest and uh, we saw answers to prayer. I know you don't think that a funeral and a graveside service will exhibit uh, God's power, but this one did. Um, I wanted to begin with a couple of examples. Uh, first of all, Steve. Um, as you know, Steve had been on an intense emotional roller coaster over the last several weeks with Paula getting better and getting worse and getting better and getting worse and, and then finally uh, declining. 
totally. And Steve was very emphatic that he did not want people snuggling up to him and uh, giving him hugs and so on. He wanted absolutely, you know, he wanted to have um, a uh, electromagnetic fence around him. Um, and, and I'm being facetious. I think you all understand um, that Steve is a very private individual, um, a uh, Viet vet, those of you who understand the meaning of the term. Um, and yet, I was absolutely amazed uh, to see that our folks came up and offered to give him a hug, and he did not decline, he did not push anybody away. He welcomed the hugs. Uh, I believe that part of what touched him deeply was the fact that the entire congregational mishpacha came up and uh, and was engaged in the shoveling of the dirt. And that's just uh, a relatively small act. However, it communicates a great deal. It communicated a great deal to Steve that everybody was part of the grieving process with him, and he was deeply touched. He had told me that he had planned to skedaddle as soon as the gravesite service is over, and yet he didn't. He stayed, and he came, and he shared. He spoke from his heart. Um, he spoke simply, but very eloquently. Uh, I, I was blessed, folks. I was absolutely blessed. Um, Steve will be back, by the way, as you know, when when he has recovered sufficiently in the next few weeks. And so please pray that God would bless him with a needed degree of rest and uh, sleep, healing, and so on. Another um, major example of that was his grandson, Cody, who was also a combat veteran. And by the way, Cody came here. Uh, on uh, one or two Shabbatot and he just, something in him just snapped because he uh, served two tours in Afghanistan and our Hebrew communicated to him a, a, a sort of a flashback to Afghanistan and he could not come back here. And uh, for those of you who are part of the graveside service, you know how much Hebrew was involved in the service, and yet Cody stayed, you know, and at least outwardly, it didn't seem that, that he was ready to blow a gasket. Um, folks, that to me is the hand of God, and that specifically I, I see as the Lord being merciful and answering our prayers because we've been praying for both of these guys. Um, the testimonials were also very profoundly touching. Um, you know, Paula, Steve and Paula both had been a very significant part of our mishpacha. Uh, I don't remember how long. I guess this is a sign of age. Um, always there, always faithful, always welcoming, um, always transparent especially Paula, and the truth is the 
memorial uh, time of fellowship that we had was not so much to exalt Paula. You know, this is not a uh, putting Paula on the pedestal. But at least for me, as I stood back, what was very clear is that here was a living, uh, well, at this point, passed on, but an individual whom God used significantly and profoundly as part of the building process of building his mishpacha here among us. You know, I often like to refer to that as the gift of glue uh, or, or mortar ing. Um, you know, these are the folks who are gifted in being able to reach out to others and welcome them and help integrate folks into the building of living stones that God is building. And Paula was an exquisite example of that. Uh, we're blessed that there are others here. And I'm not going to mention any names such as Yvonne, but moving right along. Um, I could resist. I chose not to. But in any event, all of that for me was a sign of uh, how God has been at work. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you that our faith has always been vigorous and we always had superbly strong trust fully and absolutely in who God is and what God is going to do with us. Um, like everybody else, our faith comes and goes and wanes and sometimes is wobbly and there's no shame to admit that, folks, because we're all fellow strugglers. None of us has faith 100% of the time. And when we do struggle with an ability to trust God more fully, we simply say, Abba, Father, my faith is wobbly. Would you please increase and give me the kind of strength I need to persevere, to continue, to press forward? And so that for us, folks, is what faith is about and what God has been teaching us uh, over the last close to 30 years. We've been around that long. Uh, you know, James and Linda and Joy and I were two of the initial couples, and we started with 15 folks. And within two months, two of the leading couples went out of town. And there was a part of me that was saying, uh, God, was this your idea or am I was this last night's pizza uh, short version folks is faith as we're seeing in both in chapter 11 and chapter 12 of Hebrews can be compared to a spiritual muscle and and uh, and so this is by the way the analogy or the picture that's given here uh, of athletes who are who are running and pressing forward, and believe it or not, uh, back a couple of centuries ago, I was an athlete, and this picture um, is very graphic for me because I remember uh, in, in the Bronx in New York, there was a park called Van Cortlandt Park, and three of 300 of us lined up. This is a cross-country race to and and a half miles or so and uh 
there was a fairly wide open space and we all ran like banshees and and then came the hills and then up and down, 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 backwards and forwards. And about two miles into that, we emerged huffing and puffing and way, way, way in the distance stood the uh, the coaches, the runners that had already finished and, and we were basically huffing and puffing and running on anaerobic metabolism, you know, lactic acid. And uh, somehow, by the grace of God, finished, finished the race. And this is so much the metaphor that the writer of the book of Hebrews gives us that, uh, that others have already gone before us. In this case, he's obviously thinking of the great men and women of faith that are described in chapter 11, the so-called Hall of Fame of Faith. And, and then he challenges the readers, actually the, the listeners, because this is really a, uh, a sort of a written sermon in a sense, to throw everything off that hinders and run the race with endurance. Now again, another another metaphor uh, from my previous days in Toronto, where where I had begun to race. I remember that um, at 34 degrees, as it was about to snow, you take off the sweats and everything else, and you run in these shorts and and uh, uh, tank tops, and you finish the race, and it is actually snowing. Um, and this is part of, uh, for, for me, uh, when I see this, I realize that in our life, in our relationship with God, there are things that are like weights that pull us down, that keep us from continuing the, the, the walk of faith, uh, that keep us uh, from pressing forward, not just to barely get through and uh, kind of by the uh, grit of our teeth. But folks, the picture here is not just barely making it and collapsing. The, the picture in Scripture for the men and women of God is always to persevere in such a way that they're productive. Because remember that Yeshua said, you did not call me. It wasn't your absolutely brilliant idea. It was my idea, and I'm the one who called you and chosen you that you should bear fruit, and that which should be long, much fruit, and that should be long-lasting fruit. In other words, the challenge for us in our relationship with God, in, in our learning to trust Him, is not just barely, God, get me through this somehow, but rather, God, yes, get me through this and empower me to accomplish all that you have laid out for me to do in and through all of this. And folks, for, for so many of us, um, th this is a, a, an idea and a concept that's way out there. Because reality is we really don't understand what faith is about. So let me ask you this. If you were to go to the store and look to purchase some faith, what aisle would you go to? What it would look like? And reality is, for most of us, 
faith is is pretty timid, uh, pretty wimpy. I I I'm, I'm being somewhat sarcastic here, but but think about it. For for a lot of us, faith is simply fire insurance policy. God somehow reached down. We are in the muck. He threw a life uh, life vest to us. We grabbed it. He pulled us out. Boom! End of story. The rest of our life is about us. Okay. Periodically, we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place, and we cry out to God, say, "God, help me," which He will. Or sometimes we engage on this bright and brilliant strategy to conquer the world and we say, God, would you please sprinkle some pixie dust? Bless me with grace and favor, my ideas. And we really don't understand that that's not faith, folks. Faith is basically part of our relationship with God. Now, again, I want to continue with the notion of what faith is not. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not saying, God, I, uh, I need to, to win the lottery. And yes, if I win the lottery, uh, some portion of it will go to the building fund, but the rest of it, you know, I'll get this nice car and uh, uh, get a condo, et cetera, et cetera. And no, folks. Faith is not wishful thinking. It is, first of all, based on what God says. By faith, in chapter 11, verse 3, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed by God's word, by God's command. So, in other words, faith somehow, and to one degree or another, has to connect with what it is that God has in mind. First of all, and that it requires that we are engaged not to strategize and come up with our great and awesome five-year plans, but rather that we are committed to listening to what God has to say and moving in the direction that he tells us. And then depending on, on his spirit, to drive us to move in that direction. Now this obviously begs the question of how is it that you hear from God, uh, which is a topic for another time, but let me just say that my basic conviction is that if God wired me, he can somehow find ways to communicate to me. In Hebrew, in English, maybe a little German, maybe a little French, but he can communicate. So, always, faith always has to connect with what God says. And yes, God doesn't tell us you should get up and go and get in a car and go to Safeway or King Supers, but God gives us some basic guidelines for living. This is how I expect you to live. And no, I do not want you to be like Mr. Weinstein or other folks. Very clear instructions that we need to follow. Faith also is based on things, as was mentioned earlier, things that we're not able to see and touch and smell yet, but we somehow recognize that they're there. 
How do we know, for example, that God is going to provide for us? We know, because we know who God is. And by faith, through the eyes of faith, we see that that's coming. We'll talk more about that in, in a bit. So again, it has to do with what God wants, not what we want. Although there are times when both of those come together. But we need to be careful that we don't confuse faith with a counterfeit of presumption. God, what it is I want, you have to, you have to want. So faith is based on the word of God, what God wants. Faith is always risky, folks. It's always risky. You and I never have 100% confidence that steps that we take are absolutely of God because that would not be faith. There's an element of risk. Favorite example, of course, is Indiana Jones and the uh, chalice you know, as he's stepping off what looks like into the unknown and he doesn't see that there is a step underneath him. Faith is always risky, folks. We get stretched when we take steps of faith. And we grow in our faith relationship with God. So earlier in chapter 11, we're not going to get into that. I would encourage you to, to reread it. We have a number of the biggies, um, particularly Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the matriarchs, who step into the unknown when God says, this is what I want you to do. Obviously, the biggest issue for Abraham had to begin with when God says, go, where you have no clue, he said, yes, lech lecha, get gone. Um, what I find fascinating is there are a whole bunch of other people um, who are very much unlikely characters um, in this listing of the giants of the faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Particularly Rahab, who is mentioned as the prostitute. She has billing right up there with Father Abraham, both here and also in the book of James. Faith, second, uh, thirdly, is active. You know, we think that faith means that we sit there and think deep spiritual thoughts and somehow God will press uh, a button and a trap door will open and everything will plop down into our, into our feet. Faith is active, folks. Uh, let me read to you a couple of statements from chapter 11. I do not have time to tell you about others who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. This is uh, beginning verse 11, uh, verse 32 of chapter 11. All of these are active words, folks. When we learn or as we learn to trust God, we are empowered 
to do significant work in his kingdom. To be strong men and women of God who are engaged in this absolutely Meshuggi world. And, and one of the things that really torques me is when I see fellow believers who are looking at the landscape, the landscape today and see the changes morally and ethically and spiritually and want to retreat into, into a circle of wagons, the way I read scripture, this is the time for us to press forward. Because the word of God says to us that where there is sin in abundance, the grace of God has to be in abundance even more. And as you read scripture, you see that in these in difficult times, in times of darkness, that's when the power of God is unleashed big time. Because people get it. They get the fact that God is absolutely essential. Faith is active. If your faith is real, what will take place in your life is growth in your relationship with God, growth in your ability to serve Him, to be active in doing the work of the kingdom. Wherever it is that God has placed you, whatever environment God has placed you, you will be serving as His ambassador in that particular environment. This is true for all of us, folks, because we've all been called to serve God, right? No, I guess I'm the only one. We've all been called to be his servants. That's the Hebrew, the Hebrew word evid Adonai means a servant of God and a worshiper of God. The two are intertwined or the two sides to the same coin. You cannot worship God if you don't serve him. You cannot serve him if you don't worship him. Faith is active, folks. And yes, there are challenges. And again, coming back to the uh, athletic metaphor, athletic picture, there are all kinds of things that, that threaten to distract you. And I'm thinking a lot about the athletic pictures because of what I've been hearing about the upcoming Olympics and, and uh, et cetera in, in South Korea. Um, but there are things that distract you. For example, if you're running sometimes, what happens is you get bunched up and people trip and you fall and you have the choice either to wander off and, and bail out or get up and finish the race. Bailing out is always an option. Frankly, a lousy one, but it's always an option. Um, I don't see that bailing out is a characteristic of a man or woman of God. Because we are commanded to keep our eyes continually fixed on Yeshua's example. And Yeshua never bailed. In fact, faithfulness and perseverance 
And scripture is the basic definition of someone who is a believer. In other words, as we live our life, as we learn to persevere, that's proof positive of the fact that God has come into our life and that we have been changed. If we are of the variety that says, this is too comfortable, I, I'm out of here, that does not indicate anything about what God has done in your life. Because you're living just like anybody else in the world. You know, the uh, consumer mindset, it's uncomfortable here, I'm going someplace else. And I'm not necessarily just speaking about being in Yeshua Tzion. I'm speaking about our relationship with God in general. And things get hard and uncomfortable because of one thing or another. And we want to bail. We want to find the easy route. However, that's not God's way, folks. Looking unto Yeshua, who persevered, the author and the perfecter who endured the cross, scorning shame and and finished the work that was put before him. And yes, we get stretched. In fact, the rest of this chapter, chapter 13, we're not going to address it in fullness, speaks about the fact that yes, there are times you get weary. It's normal, it's natural. Verse 3 of this chapter, look at Yeshua so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. If we hold Yeshua before us as our model, as our example to follow, we will have absolutely no justification then to say, I have no reason to continue. But as we look at Yeshua, we would be driven and challenged and provoked to continue in what God has put before us. Verse 7, here's another fun one. Endure hardship as discipline. I know that that sounds so appealing, doesn't it? But you've heard the saying, no pain, no gain. That's certainly true in the athletic world. It certainly is true in the spiritual world. In fact, if you experience difficult times, you know that that is part of God's purposes in your life. That he uses that. I'm not going to sit here and say God is punishing you. God is bringing you all these difficulties. But he uses that to discipline you, to make you strong. And if all you can see is, is the difficulties, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of what God is doing. You're missing the point of how God wants to strengthen you through these challenges. You're not willing to allow him to discipline you. And discipline, by the way, is a good biblical word. It means to impart wisdom and knowledge and strength through the challenges. Verse 12, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees, not just for yourself, but for others, so that the lame would not fall. And this is part of the picture. As God strengthens us, 
then we are equipped then to be used as his instruments, his vessels, his mouthpieces to others who are struggling. And folks, I have lost count of the number of times that people have come up to Joy and I because of our issues with our daughter. And they could see in us, not that we are great and awesome and all of that, but they could see the work of God, how that the Lord has sustained us through all the things we've gone through. And that gives them hope for them to continue. Because remember, folks, our life isn't just about us and God, but it's also about what God wants to do in us, what God wants to do through us. Because it's about the expansion of the kingdom. And oftentimes, all we can see is just me. Lord, do this for me. I am struggling. Help me out. And there's some truth to that, folks, but the kingdom of God doesn't rise and fall on me or on you. And that's true for us as individuals. It's true for us as a congregational mishpacha. God has somehow seen fit to keep us as a spiritual family. And uh, Elaine, when you said that this is a safe place, it blessed my socks off because I recognize that this is not to honor and exalt any single individual, but it's to exalt God. He has made Yeshua Tzion what it is today, folks. And in lots of ways, even after 27 years, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. And I feel like we're standing on a threshold of a decision. And yes, we have gotten a decent amount of feedback from our folks regarding the decision uh, for the property. And we will gather all the information the next day or so and make an official statement. Um, and if you have not given us feedback, we need your feedback. If you're part of our congregational mishpacha, we need to hear from you. To know what is your discernment, what is your sense? Are, are you feeling like this is something that's from God or, 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 or this, you know, some kind of weird chemical that some of the leadership had taken? Because it's not just going to be about us who are in leadership. It's going to be the entire mishpacha, folks. And we encourage you to drive by. If you, if you need information, ask Rabbi David. Harass him with all kinds of practical questions. Um, I'm somewhat uh, facetious. Um... And we're going to, this is still in process. He and I met with, with the architect yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And the architect gave us a bunch more information. Uh, if I didn't believe in God, I, I would run and freak out, or freak out and run. But the truth, folks, we have waited for God, we have prayed. 
and we have prayed, and we have been listening, and we're convinced down deep in our bones that this is God's timing. The Lord has not pressed the button and down came this awesome set of blueprints where we know you go from A to Z to, you know, from here to here to here. There are more questions than you can shake a stick at. And yes, it's going to be a stretch. But it boils down to a basic question. Is this from God? It's not from God. It's from God that somehow it will come about. And we love the fact that we had gotten a bunch of feedback that said, you know, we support you as a leadership. It's good stuff. However, I'd like to challenge you to go a step beyond that and say not just we support you as leadership, but we feel this is of God. And we're, we're all in. And yes, we have questions. We, yes, there are things we, we're not necessarily comfortable, but we feel like this is God's timing and it seems to be an open door. And we want to take the steps. And by the way, if something is not of God, he will make it real clear to us. But a clear sense at this point is that we have an open door. And you know how it is when God opens the door, you don't stand back and say, God, I'm sorry. Um, I want door number one. I want door number two. I want door number three. I want door number four and five. And until such time, I'm not going through door number one. Well, you know, the funny thing is God is somewhat um, narrow-minded. And he will give us the information he feels we need at this particular point. And we're going to walk by faith. And folks, he, he, I'll just finish with this. Here is for me, as much as anything, the major indicator that God is in this. And that is, almost everybody in our congregational mishpacha has had at least one bad experience having to do with building funds and building projects. Including folks in our leadership team. Where there's been all kinds of stuff, all kinds of shtick. You know, where people in different places have used to try and fleece the sheep and try and manipulate people and do all that kind of ugly, ungodly stuff. We're not perfect, but God knows we want to steer clear of that with every breath in our body because first and foremost, this is not about a building, folks. Hear me again. This is not about a building. It's about the kingdom of God and, and God's spiritual building among us. And either it honors him or else it's worthless. And so our conviction from the very beginning has been to be absolutely transparent, to endeavor to do everything we possibly can. To see to it that this is a decision that is 
first of all, made by God and transmitted to the rest of us as we find, for example, in the book of Acts where it says, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us. Um, it's either a God thing or it's not. And so for us, this is a huge step of faith, but the truth is, that's been our commitment all along, folks. God has kept us, God has preserved us in the midst of economic meltdown. We have been in the black. Somehow, God has been walking with us, and that's simply what we want to continue. So I want to ask that you please stand and, and as we conclude the service. Let's take a few minutes to pray, and I'd like to encourage all of us to take a few moments to reflect on what you've been hearing today, not just now, but throughout the service, through the worship time, through the Torah service, through the drash, and simply say, Lord, what is it that you are saying to me today? Not just about the building, but about faith, and how do I trust you? And where my faith is wobbly, I want you to strengthen my faith so that I would have robust faith. After we conclude, we'll, we'll have some folks up here um, be glad to pray with you. For you to conclude whatever transaction you have with, with the Lord today. Thank you, Lord God, that you're the great shepherd. You know us, your sheep, in our strengths, our weaknesses, our foolishness, our sins, our inadequacies, our insecurities. You know all of that. And Lord, we stand before you without any pretense. We have nothing to prove to you, Lord, nothing to prove to each other. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithful, consistent work with us, Lord, over the years. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing each, one, each person to Yeshua Tzion. Thank you, Lord God, for knitting our hearts together. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us a shared vision. Thank you, Lord God, even for the areas where we're struggling and and we need the power of your Ruach to knit our hearts together even more closely. Thank you for all of that, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that you have begun a good work, that you will bring it to completion. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would receive much honor and glory through this process. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, we pray. Amen.